Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today is South Africa's Deputy Minister of International Relations and Cooperations, Ms. Candice Mushejo Glamini who was previously on our show a few years ago when she served as the Deputy Minister of Rural Development and Land Reform in South Africa. To begin with, the Department of International Relations and Cooperations has a vision where the African continent is one that is prosperous, peaceful, democratic, non-racial, non-sexist and united, and which contributes to a world which is just and equitable. Some of the focal points that the department's strategic plans include peace and security, human rights and humanitarian affairs, economic and social development, a continental agenda, as well as regional integration. What would you say are some of the core programs or initiatives in relation to women and girls within your portfolio? Well, thank you very much. Um the African agenda has been and remained the integral part of South Africa's foreign policy. This is from an understanding that our own development is interlinked with that of the continent. And through our Gatwick Shorter Dialogue Forum on Conflict Resolution and Peacemaking and Capacity Building Program for Women on Conflict Resolution and Negotiation, we contributed to the implementation of the Women, Peace and Security Agenda as enshrined in the United Nations Security Council Resolution 1325. This is to ensure that women play a leading role and advocate for their interest in peace negotiations on the continent. In, 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 the, in contrary, uh, the human rights in South Africa is almost the, the the foreign policy was confirmed on human rights since the dawn of democracy, recognizing the intersectoral and multi-forms of discrimination faced by women and girls in the country and in the continent. And to tackle these triple challenges of unemployment, inequality, and poverty in all its forms, targeted focus on the need of women and girls guide South Africa's approach to ensure that our initiative are gender perspective, responsive, and contribute to gender equality. Equitable to education for adolescents and young women is the, the issue that we are dealing with, and South Africa will continue to work through African initiatives, such as the resolution presented at the multilateral intergovernmental process, that is SADC, Girls' Child Resolution, Women and Girls and HIV, amongst others, to advocate for the rights and interests of women and girls. As the country, South Africa, we collaborated with the UN agencies to provide much-needed assistance to those in vulnerable situations, such as refugees and other humanitarian settings, by providing access to basic services. We, for instance, we are participating in the project that is called the Sexual and Reproductive Health Rights and HIV, and the project that is known as 
knows no border project where we develop and disseminate COVID-19 messages in Gauteng and Bumalanga while still maintaining the implementation of its initiative of sexual and reproductive health and right awareness. On peace and security, I think the listeners must really understand that as South Africa, we have seen a rise in terrorism which continues to cause devastating impact on our continent, including in our neighbor, Mozambique. And South Africa uses engagement and partnership at a different level to address these challenges. For instance, the last BRICS summit has adopted the BRICS counter-terrorism strategy out of assessing and imploring the best practice and information sharing from different countries that are members of the BRICS. Thank you for highlighting some of the initiatives that you're working on. There seem to be a number of instruments that are in place. How do you see those instruments translating on the ground into real practical applications for women? Well, it is real practical because um, there's an impact that women are are, are doing in, in terms of peacekeeping. The like I said, we are working together with uh, the UN agencies. Most of these agencies are run by women, and they coordinate women throughout the continent to really contribute in peacekeeping, because when there's terrorism, when there's instability or conflict in any country, especially in Africa, women and children are suffering. So we are really doing our best in that regard. And I would perceive that by having women involved in the peacekeeping component, there is a sense of of empathy and aspects of being able to relate to other women who are experiencing the the conflict in their respective nations. Yes, yes. Deputy Minister, you have quite a broad portfolio in terms of your, your mandates looking after Africa, looking after Asia as some of the continental spaces. One thing that has struck me in the various conversations that we've had over the years on the program is that there seems to be an increase with regards to the feminization of government services across the world. And for instance, you even remarked that many of the UN agencies are run by women. What is your opinion on why we're seeing this positive movement of increasing women within the government and political sphere? You know, in, 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 the, in the global um, uh, summits and intergovernmental processes that are going on in the, in the globe, especially in the continent, they have been calling for the representation of women as well as their leadership in all spheres of their livelihoods. This emergency is it, almost a, a slow-coming issue, but represents the required shift in the way women and their role are perceived. I think as South Africa, we need really to create space and also advocacy, advocacy for witnessing the evolution in terms of challenges of diplomats uh, dealing with all these issues of socioeconomic impact on conflict, climate change, and obviously the violation of human rights which required a gender perspective. But if women are not in that space, 
So that feeling and, 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 and that commitment, even from member states, will not really uh, bear fruits because women are not part of, of, of that, that, that space. The other issue is the feminization of poverty, which required also the gender-sensitive approach and gender-responsive program and policies through the continent because everything that is happening is happening, whether it's conflict, whether it's terrorism, all those things are affecting the first line of much of people that are affected are women and the children. They displace women, they displace children, they deprive children for their growth, they displace women not really having space to, to raise their children. So we, we're looking forward to that women need to be in the forefront of everything, especially in addressing those overarching dynamics in the foreign policy. In a nutshell, the gender inequality that continue to persist can only be reversed by women taking up their rightful place in leadership, especially in the decision-making setting environment. We absolutely concur with you there, and we'll talk a little bit more about leadership in a moment. You've mentioned yes. conflict as being one area that your your role and portfolio addresses, uh, and I would say that is obviously some of the, the negative aspects of the role. But turning towards more of a, a positive connotation with regards to economic development, the African Continental Free Trade Area is a flagship project of the African Union's Agenda for 2063, which is designed to boost intra-Africa trade, enhance our industrialization prospects, as well as facilitate Africa's overall integration into the global economy and be it on terms which are more fair and equal. I understand that the basis of establishing a single African market comprises of all 54 nations in our continent, mm-hmm. 1.2 billion people, which is an enormous figure, and a combined gross domestic product of over 3 trillion US dollars. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about South Africa's role within this economic venture and what the continent can expect in, in the near future? Yes, no, Doctor, you may recall that one of the priorities identified by President Cyril Ramaphosa for South Africans' chairship of the African Union for the year 2020 was the support for integration, economic development, trade and investment on the continent. Critical to this was the implementation of the AFC-FTA, which aimed to build an integrated market in Africa that will see more integrated market of over 1 billion people with a combined GDP of approximately 3.3 trillion US dollars as you have indicated. To date, I think the, the program has just progressed very well. To date, about 54 countries have signed the AFCFTA agreement and 36 countries have ratified the instrument. South Africa, remember, we have ratified the instrument somewhere way before on the 1st of July, 2018, on the margin of the 31st ordinary session of the Assembly of Head of State and Government of the African Union. And we submitted, it, we submitted our instrument 
of our ratification to the 32nd ordinary session of the Assembly of the African Union in February 2019. The, the, the critical issue that really South Africa has, has done now is really the adoption of the Johannesburg Declaration on Trade under the AFCFTA in January 2021 this year. We see this as a historic and critical step towards the President Tusera Ramaphosa's work as a chairperson of the African Union. And that adoption and the decision and the declaration of the AFCFTA provides the critical technical legal basis for the operationalization and the commencement of the trading under the AFCFTA in January this year. I wish to take this opportunity to reiterate Ramaphosa's call for effort to be made by African government to create a conducive environment for youth and women to benefit in the fruit of the AFCFTA. Furthermore, the small, medium, and micro enterprise should be a priority as it has been indicated by our president here in South Africa. South Africa also will continue to advocate and appeal to those member states of the African Union that have not signed the ratification of the ACFTA to do so as soon as possible. And further calls will be made to member states to submit their tariff offers to the AUC in order to take advantage of the benefits of the implementation of the ACFTA. You must understand, Doctor, that this program and this trade mission is really to make sure that we start to trade amongst ourselves as African, as SADC, and also to create a leeway and also to be given an opportunity to put together products that can be marketable together as Africa to other continents to other countries. So we, we, we needed really to make sure that we do that. We are happy in South Africa that we have achieved thus far during our chairship as, as, as chair of the African Union. And I would say within this opening up of, of trade markets, obviously there is existing trade and people are importing and exporting their, their produce and services. But if we consider the new type of evolution within our space of, let's say, Industry 4.0 or 5.0 and the digital economy, these are a relatively new features from an economic perspective that perhaps instead of trying to transition some of our older markets where we have pre-existing relationships with other economies, that perhaps this is about taking advantage of the new economy and building out our digital economy within the continent. Yes, yes. But uh, a key to that is really to open space for women and the youth to trade internationally. You, you must understand that mo- most of the trading that are done by women and the youth are almost informal. So, but this venture now is going really to open up for women, women businesses and youth businesses really to trade in the broader market so that their products can be seen and can be really marketed in a, in a proper way. And they, co- they can also be given capacity of international trading. 
because as it stands now, these are big companies that have been trading, but the AFCFTA is opening a, a space for women and their youth really to start to participate in the economy of the continent. We look forward to hearing how the uh, African Continental Free Trade Area agreements move ahead and to see the inclusion of women and youth in those spaces. Yes, yes. Hi, I'm Zonke Dikana, a South African Afro-Soul musician, songwriter and producer. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Today, we're talking to South Africa's Deputy Minister of International Relations and Cooperations, Ms. Candice Mashejo Glamini. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Deputy Minister, the continental agenda is obviously very important to South Africa as a country with operating within Africa, as well as our, our counterparts and, and colleagues from different countries on the continent. Can you tell us about some of the key projects that you're working with, um, with your counterparts in other countries in Africa? Well, um, uh, Doctor, South Africa it's it's a, a member of the Global Multi-Stakeholder Steering Committee, which was established to provide the overall strategic advice on the con- conceptualization and implementation of the General Equality Forum and its outcome. For South Africa, it is important that the African interest is represented in this initiative to ensure that commitment made speak to the need of Africa and that they are aligned with the continental agenda. So the, the African continental free trade is one example of the project that is really taking space and also to ensure that we open up on the on the African Bank, you remember we've got an, a BRICS Bank that is called New Development Bank. We are also participating there as, as South Africa, and the bank is established in Johannesburg in 2017 to provide an interface with the continent, and it is focused on the project identified and preparation in order to bring more bankable projects to the bank. Addressing the infrastructure deficit, as you have indicated, and the the communication, the ICT within the continent, our country and the continent is a critical part of unlocking the potential for the African continental free trade to really be realized because these are the issues that needed funding and the new development bank is there for the continent to fund all those uh, infrastructure projects to ease the trade between ourselves. Money makes the world go around, and without access to adequate finance, we wouldn't be able to uh, we wouldn't be able to generate infrastructural projects like these. Yes. So that's yes. a, a significant gain. Deputy Minister, given the world that we're living in now, I don't think any conversation would be complete without asking about COVID-19. It's been an incredibly disruptive pandemic that's interrupted our lives for the past 12 months now. 
What role is the department playing to coordinate and support countries on the continent with regards to dealing with the outbreak? You know, as you're quite aware that, uh, Doctor, we we had priorities as South Africa as we're taking over the chairship of the African Union. But South Africa's chairship was forced to refocus its priorities towards addressing the immediate challenge caused by the sketch of public health system in the continent. In this regard, the AU Bureau had to proactively devise means of mitigating the economic and humanitarian crisis that will befell the continent as a result of the pandemic. Definitely the pandemic has really caused lots of problems. And the, the, the Peru has really uh, tried itself to move around and also interact with other stakeholders to make sure that we put together a strategy that will, will combat uh, COVID-19. There was, there was a formation of the African Joint Continental Strategy for COVID-19 and the Peru Assembly, which has been providing strategic leadership and direction in coordinating responses by member states. It will be recalled that African Joint Continental Strategy for COVID-19 outbreaks was endorsed in March 2020 as the pandemic was starting with us. And the Peru uh, of the African Union, uh, uh, Dr. Head, trained to, to establish a um, response fund and also to assist and to boost capacity of the African Center for Disease Control and Prevention, as well as to assist African countries in combating and containing the spread of the virus. You must remember that um, during that time, our president, as a chairperson of the African Union, also appointed six AU special envoys, uh, which was led by uh, Mr. Masiwa. And their mandate was, uh, the mandate of the envoy was to mobilize economic support for the COVID-19 response. In this regard, they have engaged the IMF, the World Bank, in order to mitigate the economic impact of the pandemic through debt relief and the deferment of debt payment. As you're quite aware that most of our countries, uh, doctor, have been indebted. So, but the COVID-19 now come on top of all these problems that our African countries are having. So now the, the, this uh, envoy had to really to go there and plead from the IMF and the World Bank that uh, they must really uh, offer some relief and also offer some deferment on the debt that of the debt payment of those countries. And key to that, uh, we need really to, for interest sake, is that uh, one of the special envoy member was Dr. Ngozi Okongo Owana, who has now been appointed as the Director General of the World Trade Organization. So we we are looking forward to that um, all these issues that we have been dealing with as the COVID-19 continues, it changes the the the, the space, it changes the, the the types. So now we have our woman and the person who has been appointed by the African Union to be part of the envoy to understand the issues of 
funding and, and all that. One of the achievements of, of South Africa, um, Dr. S. Chaperson, was to was the endorsement and the launch the launch of the African Medical Supply Platform. The platform was also designed to address the supply chain of medical products, including price competition, reduce cost, all countries to have equitable access to products and to also include medical supply made in Africa. This is very important because most of the time we are looking to other uh, continents for, for, for them to supply us with medicine. But this commitment is trying to say we open up for African scientists and African medical suppliers really to produce an African product that will help our African people to really save life and also save livelihood. The AU has committed to work alongside with member states to identify also to implement solutions that help to prevent the spread of the virus and the loss of life. Those joint efforts materialize with the creation of two funds, namely the COVID-19 Response Fund and the AU COVID-19 Solidarity Fund. And this fund is meant really to alleviate and also to help member state countries to safeguard the livelihood of our people. We are looking forward as a continent that this fund will help to fund the humanization of at least 60% of African population so that we, 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 we prevent and we safeguard their, their, their lives. The Peru also um, undertake the leadership of South Africa within, they endorse the COVID-19 vaccine development and access strategy somewhere in August last year. And its mandate was really to secure necessary resources to achieve the African COVID-19 vaccination strategy, which is targeting the 60% that I was speaking about. So the the very same um, uh, committee, it it has really made sure that they had to amass some uh, vaccines that are spread out to the whole continent in the prevention of the coronavirus. So we are looking forward for their report. They've, they had to report to the G20, to the G7, and I'm told that the report that um, uh, Mr. Macron is as a head of, 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 of that, of the G7, is making sure that he's going to present a report that will say that they have secured one billion vaccines through the COVAX facility and through bilateral agreement. So this is really a good uh, direction uh, in a good way so that uh, we start to save life to our communities in Africa. Those are incredible milestones and the reality of living with COVID-19 and the pandemic that took place is the fact that it is time sensitive. A lot of the things that we do have uh, programs which have got longevity, which obviously are important, but the the time of when they commence is is not necessarily as urgent. Whereas when we're dealing with something like COVID-19, time is all about the number of lives that you're able to save. Yes, but you, you, you remember, Doctor, that um, the 34th ordinary session of the Assembly, that 
South Africa had to hand over the chairship. And in that session, uh, our president, Sir Ramaphosa, has been um, appointed as a champion of the COVID-19 vaccine strategy and acquisition. So you will also lead the advocacy regarding the AU uh, request a temporary waiver to the WTO trade-related aspects of intellectual property in order for member states to be able to produce COVID-19-related vaccines and, 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 and also equipment. So this one is a very good stride that our president has done a lot during the last year, 2020. Now the AU has appointed him now as a, a champion. So we are looking forward to that one day we'll see a vaccine that is coming from Africa. We certainly have left a, a legacy of chairing the, the African Union um, in connection with both COVID-19 related efforts, being able to drive Africa's intellectual talent and capability as well as a manufacturing capacity and uh, signing off on the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro-Soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today, we're talking to South Africa's Deputy Minister of International Relations and Cooperations, Ms. Candice Mashejo Dlamini. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Deputy Minister, turning towards more of a gender focus, gender equality is an ongoing struggle and different countries apply various mechanisms to address it. If we take South Africa, for instance, one example was the amendment of the Employment Equity Act, which is really about people receiving equal pay for work of equal value. In your role, you must have experienced a multitude of cultures from the different countries you've been exposed to. Please tell us about some of the positive interventions you've seen in various countries that promote gender equality. Yeah, there, there are many examples of initiatives adopted by different countries to promote gender equality. I would like to focus on very few of them. The one is unpaid care work. The unpaid care work is perpetuated the inequality between women and men, girls and boys. There's a growing call for its recognition, distribution, reduction, reward paid care, work and ensure representation of women care workers. Uruguay as a country has got an a Uruguay Care Act is exemplary in how it has transformed the care economy in that country. The second one is the productive resources. Productive resources, countries like Botswana have used revenue generated from natural resources, extracts to finance their social protection system including healthcare and income support for vulnerable um, uh, population in, in Botswana. And in Kenya, the finance and economic inclusion. Kenya has got a digital agricultural solution that has transformed market access 
and financial inclusion, allowing increased access for women who operate in the informal economy is important for their economic empowerment. So you 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 can see that um, that there's a lot that other countries are doing, and we 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 need to learn from them. The other one is the promotion of girls and education. You know, the promotion of girls and education here in in, in the whole world, we we have got a problem here. Uh, especially, we're quite aware that menstruation is is not a choice to to any woman to any girl, but specifically the lack of access to sanitary pads contributes to school dropout, rate of a number of girls in rate of number of girls, of course, and now thus the call for tax-free sanitary pads have been growing. South Africa is among a number of countries who do not tax sanitary items. And when you talk about tax on sanitary wear, interestingly for me, I I know that Scotland did it a while ago, but more recently New Zealand made the announcement where the countries, incidentally both led by women, are offering free sanitary wear. So women and girls don't have to pay for it because it is expensive. Yes. Yes, so we, we 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 are calling for 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 such um, for for such a move in, in in the countries because definitely women they don't have a choice they don't have a choice menstruation it's 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 a given to every woman so yes we are aware that Scotland is is providing the sanitary pads uh, free so we hope that. Some of African countries can do the same, can start by not taxing the sanitary uh, uh, items and also move towards supplying them freely to to, to our young girls. So there's a lot that we we can learn that really will make sure that the gender equality is achieved in the world. But it comes very, very slow. Of course, we're getting there. Yes, unfortunately, progress is slow and it almost seems as though it's a generational effort that the work that we're doing is going to benefit the next generation yeah. and the work that they do will subsequently benefit the, the generation after them. Yeah. What do you think we need to build on the most to benefit women in the future? Well, I think we, we, women, as a starting point, they need to be in the forefront of everything, of everything. Because all of the issues that are happening, the first person that gets to be affected is a woman and a girl child. So, so now, when you speak about the COVID-19, then women organizations are the ones that are in the forefront in the community and in, in, in many countries. They are the ones that are dealing with those challenges, are the ones that are confronting all these constraints and these challenges, such as diminishing funding, increased demand for services, restricting restriction of movement, and shrinking of civil space. So my feeling is that I think we need really to make sure that women in leadership in business and in academia and also in government must always be at the forefront of the center of everything so that they are the people that can easily understand and adjust and find ways to address all those challenges that are facing women.
And you're right. It, when it's the person or, let's say, the stakeholder that is most affected, if they are part of the the solutioning, they're much closer to the process of being able to develop um, mm-hmm. ap- appropriate solutions to, to address them. Yes. Knowing what you know now and looking at the way that um, progress is being made and certain interventions have been put in place, how do you think the continent will look in, say, 10, 20 years' time concerning women's rights and gender equality? Well, uh, Doctor, uh, uh, on my side, the, the future is promising. Reality is promising. Uh, to some extent, it, it looks very bright. There's a promising future with leaders of our continent showing support for our instrument of women empowerment and women's rights. Our vision for Africa on women's rights and and gender equality is really as it is put in our African Agenda 2063, which calls for an African continent whose development is people-driven, relying on the potential offered by African people. This vision further points to its women and youth and children enjoying their rights in equal sphere of life. So I feel that um, the future is going to be very bright for women. More so, the 2021 marks the beginning of the second African women's decade. The African member states should aim to build on the successes of the first decade. The ratification, domestication, and implementation of the Maputo Protocol on women's rights should continue to be a priority in the world so that in 10 years, 20 years to come, we must be seen being part of the whole world as women. And also, I feel that in 10, 20 years to come, really we're going to strive for the 50-50 leadership representation of women. I think that's a wonderful vision to have, and we wholeheartedly support it. Yes. Lastly, Deputy Minister, as we close out our conversation today, could you share a few words of inspiration that you'd like to share with women and girls on the continent that are listening to the show? Well, um, there are opportunities. What I can say that is there are opportunities that are available for women to become relevant and meaningful players in politics, business, civil society, continental bodies, as well as in the multilateral forums. No matter their background, girls and women in Africa are loaded with potential to become agents of change. So they should not give up on their dreams. They need to build a network of strong women around them who will encourage and support them along their journey. As now we are witnessing the first woman who is the the Director General of the WTO, so it can happen. And women and young women must really strive and look forward to such women like the Director General of the World Trade Organization. No space is off limits, I I hear you saying, and I, I think that's what we should all be aspiring to. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
You have been listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to South Africa's Deputy Minister of International Relations and Cooperations, Ms. Candice Mashejo-Glamini, 